Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. So excited for this week's episode, but before we get into the meat and the content, I must introduce my fellow co-host, the excellent Brand Kruger of Event Technology and Consulting. Wow, and that gentleman over there is the previous Will Curran of Endless <laughs> Events. Oh, wow. The, yeah, pre- the, the, the random adjective generator giveth and the random adjective generator taketh away. The, the, the uh, artist formerly known as, it feels like. Right, the previous Will Curran. I love it. I love it. I, 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 I want to talk to Will Curran from last week, not this week. Just yeah. Well, what you could say is that I acquired and I merged my body together from previous Will Curran. <laughs> that was, that was a bit of a stretch, but I'll take it. Brent, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Weirdly enough, we're talking about acquisitions and mergers today. No, we, so when we were working on our... Um, predictions episode for 2022. A lot of great topics came out of that and things that we want to spend a little bit more time on um, and hope to do so in the coming weeks. Uh, We had some great feedback from folks and really want to thank you for all of the input that you uh, all do out there. Remember Event Tech Podcast on all the socials and uh, Event Tech Podcast at helloendless.com for your feedback. Um, But one of the things that um, we touched on lightly that I saw as a trend and is a change from what I have said previously, so I am, I am open to change. I am not locked mm. in my, locked in my uh, uh, opinions when it comes to things. So in the past, I've talked about um, kind of the timelines that we saw for uh, event apps being the same timeline only on a compressed scale for event platforms. So over the course of these last two years, you know, there were about four or five incumbent online event platforms. And then all of a sudden there was 200 of them because everybody pivoted. And then we kind of went into the mergers and acquisition phase and people started buying each other out. And that I kind of predicted that we were going to taper off on that, that that was going to kind of reach a we'll see one every now and then kind of point. Um, combined with still new entries into the into the market, you know, there's still there's always going to be somebody new who thinks they can do it better coming along, and we're going to see a slow plod of mergers and acquisitions. Over the course of the last few weeks, though, even prior to the announcement of the meeting play of Ventry merger, um, which is happening right around when we recorded that, um, uh, I was starting to feel a little differently about that, and, and for about. 1800 different reasons like it's it's when it's when it's one thing when you think of something from one direction but when when it starts to make sense from multiple directions is when it starts to be like oh okay maybe we should pay attention to this so rather than tapering off i went out on a limb and said i think 2022 it's actually going to tick back up again Mm -hmm. and we're going to start seeing more mergers and acquisitions in the online event tech space um, and not necessarily, we were talking before the show, you were saying that might not just be online platforms and event apps and things like that. So that's the table setting that we're laying out mm-hmm. there is just a bit of a discussion, a little bit of a deeper dive into where we think things are going as far as mergers and acquisitions in the event world. And I don't remember exactly what my opinion was on this uh, one uh, last uh, last week when we were talking about this, but I think I was like, oh, yeah, I could see it, but I wasn't like 100% on board. But as I started thinking about it more over the course of a week, 
I really started thinking, yeah, this is this is totally could happen. Um, and there's definitely so, like you said, there's not there's not just like one thing pointing at it that you know, like I think we're seeing multiple factors come in that are going to end up making this happen. So um, I'll talk about like one factor that I think is is definitely happening, which is that uh, you know. We, I kind of joked about how these uh, during the trends episode about how all these companies are looking for reoccurring revenue, trying to bolster their reoccurring revenue so they look good to investors and everything like that. And what I think is starting to happen is all these companies that got so much investment, so much money, now they're getting breathed on by all their, you know, uh, the banks and the the, the the investors and the, you know, the private capital companies say like, oh, you got to make more return. You either got to start making us massive amounts of cash profit so we can start pulling it out. Or you need to get ready to be look so good that we can sell you. And I think what's happening right now is all the, the private you know, equity companies and stuff are looking at going, oh, this really, really hot trend is slowing down. So we need to make our money while it's still least a little bit lukewarm, right? It's kind of like when you uh, make too much soup. I, I made too much soup this week. And uh, we were trying to figure out what do we do with it? And we're like, we just got to get rid of it to other people. Otherwise, it's going to go to waste, right? And, you know, especially when you have money in it, like if I had to put actual money in, lots of money into a soup, I'd probably be like, yeah, I got to sell this and, and get rid of it. But, you know, in this case, I just called up all my friends that live nearby and said, hey, come have some free soup. Um, so, <laughs> so I think it's kind of that idea. So what right? you're saying is they should give away their product. <laughs> yeah, it should be free. Yeah, no, no, not necessarily. But I think that's what we're starting to see is a lot of pressure is going to start happening this year for to either start making way more money, which is they're already starting to feel the pressure, which is why they're going to these annual contracts, these, you know, pay once for a bigger amount, you know, or it's going to be sell the company and you need to, you know, move on. And, you know, that's, I think, a big driving factor, which is just, Force upon the people who are giving you the money. So that's one factor of it. What, Brant? What else let's, do you think is contributing to this? Well, well, let's let's dive into that just a little bit more, but because I, I think we'll be able to go into each of these factors a little bit. So I agree. Um, I think I think these companies, you know, before back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. of event tech. You know, we were blown away when a company like Double Dutch, Double Dutch saw like $50 million investments. You know, I think the total amount at one point was like $77 million. We were just like, oh, my God, think of the, I mean, so much money compared to what was being put into those products previously. These last two years, we've seen $50 million, $100 million, $150, $200 million being put. So these investments, the investment companies have definitely woken up and are seeing event tech as tech, as mm. investable technology, um, you know they're they're putting money in it just like every other startup that's out mm-hmm. there. You know they're trying to find the next big thing. They're hoping that one of them hits and they make a ton of money. Um, to your point, there was massive growth in all of those platforms. You know, Zoom went up, you know, nine hundred percent in like the first two weeks of the pandemic. You know that growth is un- unsustainable, but. This downward pressure now of the folks that have invested, the you know the fastest ways to get those numbers up are, uh, you know, to change your business model and start you know pushing it out in a different way so that you are doing you know free freemium or something along those lines, just trying to get people to sign up, sign up, sign up, sign up, or acquire someone else. So when you get a merger between like a meeting play or an eventry or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, you've doubled your user base in one fell swoop. So they're looking for those strategic purposes or uh, strategic purchases um, to be able to bolster their numbers. 
and mm. say, you know, if we just spend this little bit of money, a little bit <laughs> uh, of money, um, and and merge with this other company, we're going to get all of these people who aren't currently using our product now under the same umbrella. So I agree completely that that part of that downward, okay, folks, you've had a couple of years now of amazing, ridiculous growth. What do we do next to to either take it to the next level is merger, acquisition, to, to get those numbers up in a hurry and hopefully find complementary user bases that don't overlap and therefore, you know, increasing the num total number of users. Or we sell to someone who's trying to do that mm -hmm. and put together a larger, uh, a larger organization, take our money and run. And then you you cash out those investors. They make a tidy profit, and that company just moves in uh, too. Now, I am not Mister. If I'm getting any of this wrong, mergers and acquisition <laughs> people, please feel free to. to that's my layman uh, attempt at at understanding and explanation. So I agree completely that that part of part of that is that downward pressure from investors. Well, let's think about a, a, another factor that might be uh, contributing to a little bit of this like pressure that people are feeling too. Is that you know the pandemic hits and all these platforms get mega busy, right? Like everybody's hitting them up and, you know, let's be honest, a lot of people had, you know, three, four, six months to plan an event that they normally have a year to put together. And so what ends up happening is they're jumping into a space they don't 100% understand in a lot of ways, right? Like, how do I do live streaming? How do I create an engaging thing? And like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I don't think everybody had a perfect event in any sort of fashion in the year. So I'm guessing what happened a lot too, is that people had events, they weren't super successful. And what do sometimes when people haven't fully looked at the entire problem altogether once is they sometimes blame a scapegoat, which might be the platform. Oh, the platform didn't have the features we didn't need it to. It we it didn't work quite as well. So let's go to another one. So I bet you churn across the event platform industry from 20, 20, March 2020 to probably March 2021 was insanely, or even, sorry, until December 2021, I think was super high. People were like, I'm going to try a different thing. I'm going to try something different, and which is cool. Like we've been, we've been pushing that, I think, on a little bit of our agenda too, is to say like, hey, if it didn't work out, be open to new ideas. Your first platform you choose is going to be it. But I'm betting that churn is really high too. So I bet you there's some platforms that had amazing 2020 to maybe a the same or less um, 2021. And now they're like – and the one thing that's not acceptable at all in the SaaS world uh, or even in a company in general is for you to not grow when you're seeing it. And I think that like, I mean, I'll, I'll say it publicly too. I think like even Endless felt this in a little bit of a way that we were, you know, expecting 2021 to be like, boom, explosion. Like let's ride the wave from 2020. And, you know, then you don't quite feel it and you start to wonder, okay, what, what am I doing? What, what, what's, when needs to change? And, but again, the pressure when you feel that from an investment company or something like that creates it even more. It's like this, like, it's just building and building and building. So I think that's one thing that's probably contributing this too is that you know people are not a hundred percent open to or they're hundred percent open to the idea of changing and fixing something yep yep and and along those same lines kind of leads into what i think is the next factor um which is that uh, and this could be coming from the investment company or it could be coming from the organizations themselves either way i think they're they're looking at we've had conversations in the past about 
the juggernaut versus the individual parts and pieces. So, and and in really realistically, in the event space, that one is is Cvent. That juggernaut is Cvent. They've got all the modules. They've got all the parts and pieces. They have their own training certifications to be able to do it. And what planners like about that is it's the one stop shop. I can get. I can just cut one check at the end of the day. I can get all the parts and pieces that I want. Now, there's pros and cons to both. There's pros and cons to going with the all in one. There's pros and cons to piecing and parceling it out. And check out our episode about that yep. one if you want to exactly. learn about that. <laughs> check it out. So yeah, go back and ha- enjoy those discussions. But I think people are recognizing the power of the all-in-one, especially, again, after two years of a lot of this just being put on the plate of the planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that again, going back to that idea of I just want to cut a check at the end and have it all go to one place and call it done. So I think as part of this mentality of, okay, how do we grow our user base? How do we do that? These, these, these finding the parts and pieces, I think more companies are trying to take on the likes of a C event head to head. And I think that meeting play of entry thing is a perfect example of that. They want to have all the parts and pieces to be that one stop shop. And I think rather than having kind of the one, we're going to start to see probably four or five emerge mm. that are all vying for that space of where your registration platform, where your event management platform, where your online engagement platform, where your ticketing platform, your, where your room diagramming platform, where your online event platform, where your offline event platform, you know, having all of those pieces and parts and modules available. I think, uh, again, we're going to try and we're probably going to see that over the course of this year into 23 evolve into being about four or five big dogs mm-hmm. in the space. I mean, the same could be said. I mean, for, for, for a lot of people probably listening right now, you're thinking to yourselves, okay, this slides a lot to the platforms, and I teased a little bit about how this could deal with everything. But I think that same thing is probably happening across um, other companies too, right? Think about the big event management companies. Think about the big production companies. Think about the big creative agencies, right? Like they're all going to think the same thing. Hey, we're doing pretty good. Let's figure out how to make this even more so we can have an even bigger por- portion of the pie um, all day long. Um, you know, I, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, to talk to, to, I don't think there's ever a forum for us to talk about this. I'm surprised there wasn't a large event company that went out of business in the last two years, right? Like some of these companies were so big, they were scrambling to figure out what to do, how to do this stuff and how they stayed alive. Like, kind of blows my mind in some ways, right? Like it's almost kind of like, there's a terrible analogy, but you have like a Lehman's Brothers, right? And obviously the, the housing crisis, totally different scenario than the, the events industry. But like, like where, some, where are you going with this, Will? <laughs> but like, you know, like a lot of times companies can get too big uh, to fail in some ways. And right. I almost felt like that in a lot of these uh, these companies. But I'm, I'm wondering too, if you will see some of them merge, Right. Um, like, you know, you might see like a Freeman and a Merits merge or something like that. And that starts to get a little bit beyond the event tech side of things. But I think that's definitely going to happen more and more in every aspect of the events industry um, for this next year. Well, and technology is starting to hit every aspect of the events. So when we talk about event tech, it's going more and more into these spaces that were traditionally more brick and mortar-esque. You know, when you think about the Freemans and GES, like dealing with mm-hmm booth draping and you know thing you know taping stuff on the floor and setting up booths and things like a very physical model but all of those companies started playing around with having their own event platform and uh you know their own event management services and things like that and so these lines are getting blurrier and blurrier between what is and isn't event tech 
That's true. That's very true. Um, I think one other factor that we're starting to see is a little bit more of a personal factor um, when it comes to these mergers and acquisitions. And it's just, uh, you know, the, the exhaustion, I think, that we're seeing. You know, founders of companies are like, I just grew this company 200%. And now I need to find a way to, I'm exhausted because now they're looking for me to do 200% again this year and it's not possible or they're running into these struggles that we've talked about before on here too, you know, and they're just like, Hey, let me get my out. Let me get my, like my last little pie. Let me like get my vacation for two years to, you know, I want to travel again or whatever it may be. Right. And so I think there's a little bit of a personal factor with all of this too, that, you know, companies, not even talking just founders, you know, even C-level VPs, um, you know, even the employees that work there everyone's just kind of a little exhausted and you know i think q1 omicron's like hitting everybody really really hard and it feels like 2020 all over again i hear that almost every day and you know i think that can really contribute to people just you know being like yeah let me like form my ticket to get out right yeah it's 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 all part of this the the great resignation which people like to try and pigeonhole depending on their politics and we won't go into the politics but there's there's this idea that i know why everybody's quitting or i know but the the real when you really break it down it's across all sectors all markets all demographics all levels of income people are just reevaluating what they want to do with their lives and 2 years of a pandemic will do that to a person that you just you know you reach that point where you're like is this what I want to be doing with my life and owners founders c level people are not exempt from that um and and so i agree completely that that is another aspect to this of people who are like you know what i made a crap ton of money in the last 2 years i'm either ready to go sit on an island somewhere and relax or move on to my next thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whether, whether it's feeling the downward pressure of, of got to expand, got to expand, got to expand, or just, I'm just ready to move on to the next thing, my next pivot, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, I think there's, there's going to be that aspect to it as well, which then makes the door more open to a merger and acquisition of just like, you know, quietly start to you know, let the let folks know we'd be open to being purchased, and I would come on as a consultant uh, right. for the new company. But I'm ready to ride off into the sunset or start my new start my new thing. True, so true. You know, it'd be kind of weird to. I agree 100 percent with everything you're saying. By the way, guys, if you ever listen to this podcast and I don't say anything, it's because I 100 percent agree with Brandon. I'm always like, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It was well said. Um, one, one other thing I'm thinking about too, is I wonder if we'll start to see, I don't know, this may be a little bit more out there, but wouldn't be the event tech podcast if we get it out there a little bit, but I'm wondering if you'll see also some of these companies that bought in 2020 or 2021 resell, right? Like, will you see Cisco sell off Socio to be like, Hey, yeah, we, we, you know, or sell off Slido. I think Cisco bought Slido and Socio, I think. Um, but to be like, Hey, yeah, like, um, you know, Actually, this is not quite working out, and they sell it off to like a C vent or a, or something like that too. So, like you might even see parts of companies that have already sold, you know, going going around and and moving around too. So that could be pretty interesting to see too. Or just shut it down, you know, like like take <laughs> you know you know make it an aqua hire, and you know take on the engineering teams and the. Uh, you know, the some of the good tech and maybe any patents or anything like that that came along with it, depending on the level of the company, and and then just shut it down. And mm -hmm. so incorporate what you want to incorporate and then get rid of what you what you don't. Um, that might be like a 2023 trend is the shutdown. Yeah, uh, and could be. The, 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 uh, I, I'd say like consolidation of like the, the uh, tools too. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that we haven't seen a little bit more of that already. You, you would think at least there'd be in these two years at yeah. least some buyer's remorse yeah. of of like, uh, you know, yeah, that didn't work out. But I mean, you know, these things take time. And, you know, you think about how often properties like, you know, Yahoo have been bought and sold uh, <laughs> over the years, you know, reconsolidated, then rebroken up and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I just can't believe um, Yahoo still exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Kodak still exists. It's all yeah, that true. stuff still exists. So it's you know to to touch on one more thing though on the on the on the exhaustion side. You know, we talked about that as part of the Great Resignation, but then just to circle it back around a little bit, that then contributes. And this is this is where I think we're on the right track with all this stuff because so much of it points back to itself mm -hmm. in other directions. So you talk about the exhaustion side of it. Not only does that go for the, the C level and the folks that want to sell out, but it also ties into what we were talking about before with in the end of the day, the planners just want the one check and the one company and the mm -hmm. one support staff and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing is they're tired of it too. And there's always going to be the planner that wants to piece and parcel it together um, because that planner has always existed and they believe they can put together a better package and frequently can. But there's also, I think, probably going to be more so than in the past, the ones that are more open to, I just want the one company to deal with and be done with it because of the exhaustion, because mm -hmm. of what we've had to deal with over the last two years. Such a good point. Yeah, that's such a good point. And, and, and two, you know, like, you know, when you start to have employees that start to get exhausted and everyone's exhausted, right? And they're resigning, then it creates the company to be like, oh, this is just so difficult. We have to do another round of a hundred people to hire. And, you know, like it all, it definitely all starts to point back to itself in a lot of ways and just the feelings that everyone's feeling. Right. And, you know, sometimes too, like the, the general exhaustion of just, yeah, the, what we're going not again, another part of the pandemic, right? Like, it all starts to point to itself in a lot of ways that makes it feel like it's a, it's almost like a snowball effect of what's starting to happen. So here's, here's my question to you. Cause I think, I think we've laid out the case pretty well when it comes to, you know, the software as a service world and, you know, so event apps, online platforms, things like that. And you touched briefly on production companies themselves. Mm -hmm. How much of this is going to apply to production companies are we getting you know so not just like the ges's of the world but like the small to mediums are we going to see what's left of the independent av companies sell out to you know now to become part of encore or something along those lines how's it going to affect av world yeah I, I definitely think it's going to affect it in a lot of ways right like so the the most common things i heard in the like in 2020 when it came to av and production companies was they did one, one of a couple of things they did the hard pivot kind of like how endless did right focused really hard on that and you know was successful or even mildly successful replaced your revenue at least right then you had kind of the the other kind the other people who were like we're gonna hunker down and really build this out and rechange our company and things like that then you had like this third one which the third one i think is where the danger is which is they're like we're just gonna try to wait this through um, again, like I didn't hear a lot of big companies um, merge into each other in a lot of ways, but I know I bet you right at the end of the year, I bet you a couple companies sold equipment to each other or sold off assets and things like that. I think that definitely could happen. And, you know, you think about it for a lot of people who decided to wait, even the people who didn't decide to wait, right? 2021 was supposed to be this year of release of like moving back to hybrid events and everything like that. And now we're coming to be back. hot girl summer. It's going to be, be hot great. girl summer. It's going to be amazing. And then now it's like, you know, people are like, wow, that we didn't see us. You know, we were, I bet you everybody was busy enough, but I don't think anyone was truly like, oh my gosh, I'm 2020 
So I have so many leads I can't do with it. Um, and if you are one of those companies, dear God, like, please reach out to me. I'd love to have you as a mentor. <laughs> but, you know, um, I don't think anyone like truly felt truly amazingly successful at the end of 2021. Um, and then the Q1 of this year hits, right? And I think we saw waves of cancellations. And I heard from people who worked in big, gigantic groups, waves and waves of cancellations. In fact, like, I think we were talking about it too. Like, that there was always this feeling that, like, with plant, like, even venues and things like that, where everything was getting done so last minute. Oh my gosh, so last minute, so last minute. Well, the doubt, the exciting part about that is you get leads out of the wazoo and you can, like, oh my gosh, everything's way better than we thought it was. And you almost feel like a wave. But it also hurts you negatively because if everybody's waiting to the last minute, it means they're not going to come to you when uh, something like Omicron hits and they're like, yeah, we're just going to push back our event three months or, you know, we're just, they're just not even, you won't even know that they, they, that, that the leads dried up because of that. So I think that in a lot of ways too, that production companies are probably feeling even more because, you know, the most resilient piece of this whole aspect was the virtual aspect. And, you know, if Omicron hits and says, Hey, you can't do an event in person, platforms like cool well we were going to do this anyways and we were going to be here but production companies all of a sudden like well we well if i didn't have a piece of that platform or i wasn't doing the live stream or i just wasn't you weren't working out of my studio you're you're probably your business drew up and i think that planners in q1 of this year are way smarter about getting out of contracts not signing contracts wait until the very end until they're absolutely sure they're going to do this event Whereas, you know, in 2020, I bet you people will sign contracts and then we're like, oh, wait, the event's canceled. Oh, no, what am I going to do? And the company's just like, well, I have your money. See you later. But I think a lot of com like I I'll even say that this, too, is like we had one client who was like really ready to do this gigantic event in January was really ready. 100 percent. They signed their contract and then we we're like, hey, we need to get our deposit because this event's so big. We got to start putting, you know, deposits down and, you know, we got to start having our staff run at full kilter. And they kept, they waited like just long enough, like one or two weeks. To, and they were obviously evaluating Omicron. And then they just said, we're not going to do this event. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that I, I'm probably not the only company that ever experienced that. And so I think that we're going to see a lot of that cause companies just get frustrated on the production side and on the in-person services side to say, yeah, again, go back to the exhaustion piece. Yeah. And, you know, the, the venues are digging in harder about mm -hmm. not letting people get out with, with cancellations due to COVID. Um, I'd be really curious to follow up. You and I had some great conversations with the folks at, uh, when we had the opportunity to speak at FICP's annual conference. We were talking to a lot of venue folks there that were seeing, mm -hmm. you know, more last minute business that they could, than they could, you know, handle practically. And, you know, talking about, you know, hundreds of bookings in December, well, I would be real curious to follow up with how that all went, you know, between I bet you they're all, December, they're January. saying the same thing. Like they're the, not the, they're flowing in. I think it's the, yeah. the opposite. They're seeing the other side of the waterfall now. Right. And so, you know, did those cancel? Did they postpone? If they did cancel, did the hotels dig in? Um, and, you know, you know, because literally stuff, they were talking about stuff being booked two weeks out at that point, you know, because it was, that was in November that we were there and right before this Omicron wave kicked. In. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to follow up with them to find out how that all flushed out. Um, For sure. So yeah. let us know if you're a venue or a hotel. <laughs> uh, at helloendless.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I, but yeah, I think overall, I mean, Brand, I definitely feel like that there's a, a very – like as I thought about it more – and even had this conversation now, it solidifies a lot of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling too, right? And uh, and a lot of times too, like hunches around trends come from feelings, right? The way you feel like I talked about the way I felt around 
not liking Facebook and social media. And it makes me think the community model is going to come out. Right. Like I think in a lot of ways too, like if you lean with a little bit of feeling, you can sometimes suss out these uh, trends. So um, I, I think I will, uh, yeah, I guess champagne's okay to celebrate at the end with mergers and acquisitions. I was like, but I was, I, I think at the end of the year, we'll probably be celebrating your, your correct uh, 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 idea around the trend. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how that flushes out for customers. Right. So, mm. so, you know, if that's what happens, you know, will we see the kind of thing where people are happy with that? And, you know, because it's a relief and because it's only one uh, company, or will it be the kind of thing, well, ah, I used those guys for that one thing <laughs> and now they got bought, you know, and they're, you so know, true. part of this other company. Are they going to have the same support system that I had before? Um, uh, those kinds of things. It's, it's always a double-edged sword when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. It's such a good point because so many people – you know, when they hear about mergers and acquisitions, the worst thing is I've heard, I think we heard it together one time. It's like, they're like, yeah, I used to do my one event with this one platform. Then they got bought by the company and I didn't want to work with them. So I left and I went to another one. Then they got bought and they got brought back into the company. It was like they couldn't escape the company that was right. requiring everybody. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they're smart mergers and acquisitions. And I think the biggest, the biggest success we can see with this is that if the quality of the tools, the quality of the data, the quality of the support, if all of that goes up, I think, Brent, you and I would happily celebrate mergers and acquisitions. But the part that we, I think we don't like is when quality goes down or you know a tool gets acquired and the cost just goes up. But no quality change or things like that. That's the part I hate the worst, right? Like, you know, um, I would definitely love to see quality go up. And I think no one will complain about mergers and acquisitions. Or worse, when they just shut the product down, you know, which which happens in Silicon Valley all the time. And we've been very fortunate in our universe that that hasn't happened more than it already has. But again, with downward pressure from investors and all that kind of stuff, uh, these things can start to happen in our world as well. Somebody was running down... Um, on the Android side, uh, you uh, yes, and I talked I a lot about phones. Go. Somebody was running down all of the chat and texting <laughs> options that they they in something like in the last. I think it was in the last eight years. There have been thirteen different uh, uh, messaging applications that they've started and shut down, started and shut down, started and shut down. Started. I mean, just you know, imagine what they would have done if they would have just picked Hangouts and right? stuck with it. Right. Um, you know, they really probably would have something that would be challenging of like an iMessage or something like that totally. where, well, you know, well, Apple just has the one. <laughs> they have the one. Well, it's funny. Yeah. You, they talked about now that, you know, this is off topic, but they're starting to complain now that they're like, this is not fair. Apple has a, like a monopoly on iMessage and, you know, Android, like, and, and, and everyone says like, Google, look in the mirror. Like you have the ability to do this. You have yeah. the ability to hundred percent make Aloe, which I loved Aloe. I used it every day until they killed it. And all you do is make text messages go in it and boom, like, and make it the default. Every single yeah. phone, boom, done. iMessage right. fails down. So if iMessage doesn't work, it goes back to SMS. It's like yeah. it actually that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you can still incorporate like RCS. Yeah, it's totally, totally into the weeds, but it's an example of the kind of thing that happens in Silicon Valley all the time. And so once the Silicon Valley money starts coming into our little event world, which it 100% has – we're going to start to see a lot of the same shenanigans that we see uh, with uh, Silicon Valley writ large. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Once the sil- once, if it first starts with Silicon Valley money, then it becomes Silicon Valley management. Amen. All right. <laughs> I think we've done it. Uh, yes. Another, <laughs> uh, another deep dive. 
in. Uh, let us know, of course, what you think out there. Again, uh, hello, uh, hello, <laughs> Event Tech Podcast at hello, hello, Event Tech Podcast, uh, Event Tech Podcast at helloendless.com, uh, Event Tech Podcast on Twitter, uh, Hello Endless on Twitter, Brant Kruger on Twitter, It's Will Curran on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm doing a lot more on LinkedIn these days. Me too. Uh, let us know what you think, uh, how this is going to impact your world if you're a planner or a venue or a production company. Um, do you think we're right? Do you think we're wrong? Um, and uh, if so, why? We're, we're, we're open. We're open-minded. I yeah, told you, I changed my mind on this thing. It's true. It's true. I'm a, I, and, and, you know, if Will can go off of Android and PC to become an I, Apple person, I think anything's possible in terms of minds being changed. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I did the same thing. I, had, I was all in on the Googleverse and have slowly worked my way into the Appleverse. So true. So true. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning on in. We love you as listeners. Brand, thank you so much for being so excellent this <laughs> this episode. Um, and, yeah, we'll catch everybody next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech Podcast. Excellent. Event Tech Podcast. Excellent. <laughs> Out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.